0: first church we're glad to have everybody here today and uh, of course we have family out at our stone canyon campus that's meeting with us as well and others who will join us later online would you all here at north Garnet welcome them into our time glad to have you all with us very much so um, I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and uh, it's kind of uh, crazy the way the calendar falls this year. It's Thanksgiving, and bam, we're right into Christmas real fast, so, uh, but we're excited to uh, get into the Christmas season. But we don't want to let this Sunday uh, pass by. Every year, annually, we take a Sunday to, uh, that we call Outreach Sunday that we, uh, we think about, we learn about, we celebrate. All of those who we support, who we partner with in sending out the gospel, uh, both locally but globally as well. And uh, at both campuses, there's a table set up where you can find out more information. And uh, uh, after the service, we'd love for you to to stop by those. And we'll talk about more of those things here in just a little bit. But uh, we want to take time today just to talk about some of those those things. We just came off of a series uh, in November called Green Country. Many of you were a part of that with us and and enjoyed that as we walked through Psalm 23 and uh, learned a lot about our relationship relationship with our good shepherd and and all the benefits that there are of being uh, in Christ and having him as our good shepherd. But on the flip side of that, that sometimes we don't think about are those who don't have a good shepherd. Those who are not followers of Christ, those who don't know the, the rest that we talked about and that Psalm 23 talks about that are available through our shepherd. They don't know the, the restoration that we've received through him. They, they don't know uh, his guidance and his presence in their life. They, they don't know the hope that is available to them. And so they haven't experienced that. And, and we don't talk about them that often. Those who are lost in this world, and in this world of billions of people, there are billions of people, and many of them that are around you every day who don't know Christ. And how are we supposed to feel about them? Well, maybe we start by asking this question, how did Jesus feel about them? And if you go over to Matthew chapter 9, there's a text where, where Jesus is being surrounded by crowds, crowds were coming around him, and it says this there in the text verse 36, says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. The word I want to use today is he was burdened for them. He hurt for them because he knew what they were experiencing and what they were not experiencing in this life as they weren't following him and they didn't know the hope and the salvation that that he had to offer. Jesus was moved by them. And the question, are we moved like Jesus? Are we burdened like Him? Do we have this compassion for them like like He has? Do we have a burden within us like He has? Do we love them like He loves them? Is that us? Is that our heart as followers of Christ? I believe that's what He desires for us to have. And so, again, today, we want to take a moment to kind of celebrate, again, uh, those who have been sent out, those who are out, they, they're burdened for the lost, and, and they're all over the place. And, and again, I hope as we look at this today, and we celebrate them today, and we learn more about them today, maybe that same burden will be on our heart. Maybe you already have that. I hope you do. And some of you, I know you do. But as followers of Christ, every one of us should have a heart like Jesus, which you desire to love like Jesus. About four years ago on our Outreach Sunday, uh, we had Jim and Terry Riley with us, missionaries to Honduras, got to do an interview with them and uh, spend some time uh, just hearing about their ministry down there. And, and, uh, and so today, uh, Terry is back with us, and I'm going to ask Terry uh, Riley to come on up and join me over here as uh, have an opportunity here. Would you welcome her to be a part of our time here today? Hello, Miss Terry. There's your microphone. You? Yeah. <laughs> now, um, like I said, four, it was four years ago, I believe. It was uh, yeah. 2015, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> we had you and Jim here. Right. And there's a reason why we didn't invite Jim back. <laughs> we didn't have enough time, really. Um, no jim's a talker for sure but uh but uh, no we're we're excited to have you, you. Uh, back with us
1: thanks for letting me come yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and and i think we have a uh updated picture of your family uh we can show that here and maybe there there they are a beautiful family and they're all grown up yes they yeah, have. we got a couple <laughs> of them with us down here at north garnett yeah down here so uh glad to have you all here but uh well um since the last time you're with us, um, has there been anything, uh, well, it's, uh, uh, let me not get off script here because I don't okay, want to okay. throw you, yeah, I don't want to throw <laughs> you, uh, what do you enjoy, and let me ask you this first, how long have you been in Honduras now?
1: It'll be 25 years this April. 25 years in April. Long time. Wow, yeah.
0: that is awesome, yeah. yes, <laughs> that, that is crazy. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be down there a couple times., yes, with you. You have. and uh, working that's... on our bus, right? Yeah <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That was fun. Um, well, in that time that you've been there, what what um, do you enjoy most about being a missionary down in Honduras?
1: Um, I have the best job in the world. I get to see uh, Jesus change people's lives. I get to see them come up out of the water of baptism and, and just change. It's an awesome job, but I tell you, one of my favorite jobs, though, is organizing the Women's Conference every September. Um, It's a nationwide conference for all the Christian churches there, and this past year, I got to organize the one in Guatemala, Um, and so I'm going to give a commercial real fast. Any of you sweet ladies that would like to come and help me in September of this next year, 2020, is called uh, Shine Like a Diamond, and it'll be the first multi-generational conference for women, teens, and girls. So... Come find me at the booth later if you want to come.
0: There you go. That would be a great opportunity. Very cool. Well, having been there for 25 years, um, obviously you've learned a lot about the people there. Yes. Um, What what is it that you, um, or what are some things about the people there? Maybe would be different than what we experience here in our culture. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the people
1: there. Um, Hondurans are very open, friendly, fun-loving, and hospitable people. Uh, when you meet someone and you give them an hour of your time, they'll just share your, their whole life with you and confide in you quickly. Uh, most are quick to laugh, and they're affectionate and animated and very fun-loving. Uh, once you extend your friendship to them, um, there isn't anything they won't do for you. You are family.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, uh, here, when we start talking about trying to share the gospel with people, um, uh, usually they're... I think, and maybe this is in our minds, maybe it's in my mind, I don't know, maybe you all don't experience this, but there's this thought that either they already know Christ, or they've already, or they've already have a church background, or they're Mm -hmm. outright atheist, and they'll beat me up if I try to share Christ with them, you know, you know, we just have all these fears, I I think, if we try to share. Uh, how, How open to the gospel are the people in in Honduras?
1: The Honduran people are very, very open to the gospel. Um, On the flip side though, they are very open to about any religion. Hmm. Um, They are very spiritually hungry. Um, Most are um, Catholic, nominal Catholics. So we don't have to start from ground zero. Um, they, they know that God exists. So that's, that's great. And then from there, we um, take them through a Bible study, a discovery Bible study. And once they become a Christian, b- become baptized, sometimes even sooner, we encourage them to start doing these same Bible studies in their homes. And from there, uh, after they get baptized, then we have a, a three-year discipleship program um, based on the life of Christ from Matthew. It's a six-book course. After that, they will be able to start a church. Mm-hmm. Because we have seen God move these students all over the world, so our goal is to make as many Timothys as possible.
0: That's awesome. That's one of the yeah. things I've always loved about your ministries is the methodology in it. You know, just yeah. and it's yeah. simple, really. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you've really strayed from that over the years. No. no. You know, that plan, that discipling uh-huh. plan, and then yes. sending them out to plant church at Am's. Right. Yeah. It's simple. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. we, we yeah. over it up here, <laughs> I think, um, and so I, I love that about what you guys are, are doing down there and so, right. so you talk about these believers they 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 come to Christ baptizing him and and so what what have you learned from uh, the people there i mean you've you 've really pretty much spent your most of your adult life down right. there, and, right. you know, and so uh, yeah. you 've probably learned a lot from the people there, the Definitely. believers there what are some Definitely. of the things that you 've definitely
1: Um, we have been in many many homes that are just one room a dirt floor hammocks for beds and lots of little bitty kids running around and and they share a a meal with us and some really great coffee and really big smiles Um, in Honduras um, a man is not defined by his possessions but uh, in his relationships with others Um, I've also learned about uh, worship I didn't really understand what worship was till I got to Honduras, and um, you don't just worship in song; it's beautiful singing, but you also worship with your life. And they've taught me
0: that. Oh, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, that's one of the things, you know, when somebody comes to Christ here, I, I love that excitement in yes. them and that fire yeah. within them, and yes. and uh, and you see that, and I'm sure you get to yes. experience that. So, um, so. What's been some of the greatest things you've seen God doing down there? Maybe lately, or may, maybe in the 25 years you've been uh-huh. there, but what, what are some of the things you've seen that's like, wow, God?
1: Uh-huh. So. Well, how much time we have? <laughs> Not joking. Yeah. joking. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can think of three, three okay. things. Um, one is a, a young girl, um, Nancy is her name, and um, I have watched uh, God use her to reach her entire family for Christ uh, because she had a brain tumor and they were not expecting her to live. Um, And God shrunk that brain tumor really small, and now she gives Bible studies with teen girls. Um, Another one is Santos. Santos is a recent convert. He's 35 years old. Uh, he was in jail seven years, four of them in Honduras and, and three here in Texas in the penitentiary system. He was uh, what we call a coyote that brings illegals across the American border. And he got caught and was in jail for three years here and then deported. Um, he came to our church, the second church plant, uh, oh, about two years ago. Um, needing a spiritual advisor because he was part of uh, Narcotics Anonymous. He needed Jim to sign off for him. So Jim started going to his home and doing Bible studies. And it was really awesome to see his entire family come to Christ at Easter. And now he's giving Bible studies in, in the men's homes around his home. And he's also starting a, a, a little kids, a little boys soccer team with my son Jimmy uh, and giving Bible studies there near our house. Yeah. But I, I must say that the greatest way I've seen God work is in my children. I know many of you understand when I say, you always worry that, am I being a good parent? Did I do a good job? And um, I tend to be a workaholic, and so I always worried about that. Am I doing a good job with my kids? I'm spending so much time in the ministry. Um, but I have been amazed that God has... Um, Taking care of all of that. I've gotten lots of letters and, and calls saying that my kids are awesome, okay. and, and they are, and that's all God. Uh, he, there is nothing impossible for Him. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's awesome.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have a couple at Ozark going uh, to Ozark Yeah,
1: College? Yeah. J- well, Jesse graduated. Okay. She's out in the four year, and Josh is going there now. Jenny is a nurse, uh, studying to be a nurse okay. here uh, in Salisaw
0: family update there. Yeah, Jimmy's at home with us, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, thinking back 25 years ago, yes. when you and Jim, you know, you went to Ozark, right, and right. you're got, getting ready to head out, didn't know where God was right. going to lead you to go, right, mm-hmm. do you remember what was it that, like, okay, Honduras is the place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what, what did that look like? What was it originally that said, yeah, that's where we need to be?
1: Okay. Um, Well, uh, I guess it all started when I was 13. Um, My grandma, who lived about two hours south of here, south of Muskogee, um, she had a a room in her house that was full of books, books everywhere. Um, She had seven girls and one son, so there were a lot of harlequins. But I happened to find God's smuggler by Brother Andrew, and that's where God um, started poking at me about missions. Jim was at kids camp um, when when he was about 10, and he felt God call him. We went to Ozark. We got married in our second year. Um, Like a few days after we got married, um, we went to a youth leaders conference, and at at that conference I was in a workshop, and I found a little flyer about a a trip with CIY uh, to Honduras for college students. And Jim happened to be at a, a lunch, where, and he sat with a guy that was going on that trip, and that guy invited him to come. So the, in the evening when we got back together, Jim said, Hey, I heard about this trip to Honduras. Why do you think we—and I pull out the flyer. I'm like, I think we know what we need to do. And the rest is history. Uh, that's
0: awesome. Uh, I love it when God makes it that clear. You it's know, very it's like clear, yeah. Those coincidences in life. You right, know. yeah. That's, that's cool. Well, it, it is an honor to be able to partner with you guys and Thank and you. kind of from afar getting to watch, always getting like getting mm-hmm. the updates and, and hearing the stories about what God's doing uh, down in Honduras and and uh and always love getting to send teams down. We need yes. to get another team down there soon. So But uh, but again, thank you for coming and and giving us a little update here today, and uh, and sharing (laughs) with everybody. So well, thank uh, you for your support. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. Would you appreciate Miss Terry? Thank you very much. Yeah. We uh, Again, we've had several several teams over the years go down there to, to serve uh, with Jim and Terry and and uh, uh, definitely want to get another one down there soon. And uh, and I love the opportunity that she threw out there to us uh, for, for all of our ladies to be able to, to go down there and be a part of her, her women's conference. And so I'm sure we can help coordinate that if that's something that uh, you feel like God's putting on your heart uh, that you would want to be a part of. But, again, we talk about First Church wanting to be ascending church. It's one of the things that I love about First Church, that from the very early days of, of this church, it's uh, been ascending church, a very outreach-oriented church, both locally and, and globally. And we want to continue to be that because God is ascending God. And we see that from the very beginning of the church. Whenever we, we look in the book of Acts, we can we can see uh, that the church was the purpose of the church was to be sent out to go and and to uh, make disciples and win win the lost. Paul over in Second uh, Corinthians five, uh, he he points out there uh, what our role is. Uh, in this world, as we live out our life as followers of Christ, there in verse 20 of Second Corinthians 5, he, he says, this, says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconcil- reconciled to God. And so that, that word ambassadors is to be a representative of Christ. And that's what we're called to be in this world. And we don't have to go to Honduras to do that, though God is calling many to go to places like that. But right where we are, in our own neighborhoods, in our own homes, in our own workplaces, we're called to be ambassadors. We're co- called to, to represent Christ to those that we are in contact with. And as I said earlier, earlier uh, probably every one of us are around people who are shepherdless every day, that don't know Christ. And we need to look for and pray for those opportunities where, where we can reach out to others and, and, and make a difference in their, in their life. Again, in the early days of the church, uh, in the book of Acts, we, we see this heart of, uh, that God was calling us to be on mission for Jesus. That's not something just for special people when they get to wear the title missionary, all right? Every one of us who are, who are Christ followers, when we receive Christ, when we, when, we really, when we come up out of the baptistry as a new believer, new person, new creation in Christ, as Paul calls us, we are now a, a new missionary. We are now set apart for a new job, a new purpose in this life. Wherever God might lead us to go and wherever God might want us to be. If we go over to Acts chapter 8 verse 4, this is where we're going to spend most of our time at today. Um, there we find the same idea happening with Philip. Philip was a leader in the church. He was, he was already a, he was a great servant in the church. He was doing great things in the church. And there it says this, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. If you go to verses 1 through 3 there in, in, in Acts chapter 8, that's where uh, you've Stephen has just been stoned to death, all right? He he was another leader in the church and, and one of the first martyrs in the church. And, and then it says in there, that's when a great persecution broke out against the church. And if you remember a guy named Saul, he's the one who would later become Paul, but Saul at that place, at that, that point, he was one who was bringing the persecution on, on the believers. And, and so, they are now scattered. At this point, the church has pretty much been confined to the city of Jerusalem and had not uh, ventured out from there. All the leadership was there, and that's where the church was. But at this point now, the church is being forced out. The church is now on the run. The church is being scattered. And just like Jesus said over in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the, of the earth. And now we see that prophetically happening now as the church is being scattered out. But what, were, what was the church doing everywhere they went as they were scattered? Look at that text, verse 4 again. When they were scattered, they went about preaching the Word. That's what they did. That's what their call was. They knew that. That was, just, that was what they were supposed to do. And so wherever they went, whatever cities they found themselves in, whatever lands they found themselves in, they went and they preached the Word. And now Luke, the historian who wrote the book of Acts for us, who gives us this very historical account, as he continues to give us this historical account, you go to verse 5, and now he gives us a little glimpse about one person, and that is Philip. And you look at verse 5, and it says this, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So the whole church is scattered, but now Luke, he focuses in, zeroes in on Philip. Why? Why does he point out Philip and what Philip is doing and where Philip is going? Philip, just like those that he just talked about in, in verse 4, he is going and he is preaching to them Christ in Samaria. Interesting thing, it says he went down to Samaria, the city of Samaria. If you look on a map, Samaria is up, but it's a lower elevation, and so he's leaving the city of Jerusalem at a higher elevation. He's going down into the city of Samaria. But that's not enough information. That's not a big deal that Luke would go, hey, look what he did. But who are the Samaritans? Samaritans were really enemies of of the Jews. If you look at the history, there there was great opposition between the the Jews and the Samaritans. And and the Jews would not want to venture into Samaritan territory and vice versa. And there there was this battle against these two sects of people. And so maybe it is that Luke here finds this very significant that as the church goes out and is scattered everywhere, for some reason, Philip chooses to go to Samaria to a place where most people don't think he would go, wouldn't think he would be. Whether God specifically leads him there or it's just on his heart to go there, no matter, he finds himself in the heart of Samaria. It reminds me of another story. If you go back into the Old Testament, there's a guy by the name of Jonah. And if you know Jonah's story, Jonah was called to go to another people. Maybe you remember this. He was called to go to the to the Ninevites to the city of Nineveh. But there was a problem. They were the enemies of the Jews. The Ninevites were known to be just brutal people and, to, and to, they would enact raids upon their neighbors and just were, were brutal to their neighbors and how they would come in and, and kill and rape and do all kinds of terrible things to their neighbors. But nevertheless, that's where Jonah was called to be. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And So God gives Jonah a very specific call. You are being sent to Nineveh, these people that were barbaric and evil. And God wants Jonah to go and preach to them about their evil and bring them to repentance. And if you remember the story, Jonah immediately goes to Nineveh. (laughs) No, that's not what happened. If you read the story, Jonah said, no, <laughs> I'm going the other way. I'm going to a city called Tarshish. Tarshish was 2,500 miles away, and it was, most of that was by sea. And so he takes off the opposite direction. No, God, there are enemies. I'm not going to the, take them the gospel, the good news. I'm not going to tell them about you and, and lead them to repentance. And he takes off. Now, I don't know if you remember the rest of the story. But he heads down, heads down to the sea, gets on the ship, they take off, storm comes, they figure out the storm is there because of Jonah, and he tells the guys, hey, throw me overboard, they throw him overboard, storm is gone, here comes the big fish, remember that part of the storm, you know, I won't start singing the song. Anyway, um, big fish, three, three days, three nights in the belly of the fish, until finally he comes to his senses and gets literally puked out on the shore, and at that point he goes, I'm going to Nineveh. <laughs> he gets the point, and he heads to Nineveh, and he preaches. He takes the word to them and preaches against their evil, and Nineveh repents, turns to God, because he finally got it. Now you can go on to the rest of the story, and he wasn't really that happy about Nineveh turning, but he still carried out what God had called him to do. There was a difference between Jonah and Philip. Jonah reluctantly went, but Philip gladly went. And I have to think is because Philip was burdened for the lost. History didn't matter. All the things that had brought division between their people didn't matter at this point. He just knew that the people there needed Jesus. And so he went. And the gospel took root. In Samaria and began to spread, and the church began to advance in that area, and more and more people continued to go and take the gospel after Philip. He really led the way in what God was doing there. If you go on in the text there, in Acts chapter eight, it says, "What was the result of Philip preaching this in Samaria? If you look at verse six, it says this, "And the crowds with one accord. Paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. I think that's awesome. Everybody paid attention. We have a hard time staying off our phones in here, <laughs> you know, it's like Facebook, you know. No, let's pay attention. We're, we're preaching the gospel. We're talking about Jesus. Let's pay attention. And that's what was happening. They couldn't, they, they, they wanted to hear what Philip had to bring, this good news, and they paid attention. They listened because. They didn't know the shepherd. They didn't know all that they had been missing until he began to proclaim it. And they were locked in and wanted to listen. Keep going in the text, verses 7 and 8. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many uh, who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. In the early days of the church, when the gospel was going out, the Holy Spirit was manifesting Himself in in many ways to to bring validation to the the message. And and that's part of why people were paying attention. It's like, whoa, this is some crazy stuff happening. There must be something real going on here. And they began to listen, and they began to believe. And by the time He's done preaching, what's the end result? There was much joy in the city. Why? Because now they had a shepherd. Now they were following Christ. Now they knew the salvation that was available to them. Now they knew the hope that was available to them through Christ. And now there was a joy that was not a fleeting joy, but an everlasting joy. Because now they knew Jesus. Because Philip was burdened. He was compassionate the people of Samaria. It's a pretty simple, church. We are sent into the world to share the good news of Jesus. It's that simple. We are sent into the world to share the gospel of Jesus. I, I think sometimes we, we really overcomplicate this whole church thing. It's like, you know, okay, so I, I've got to be there on Sundays and I've got to be in the class, my life group, and I need to be, you know, I need to serve and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I need, okay, now I need to be a leader. I need to, you know, and, and we, we think, okay, all this is part of what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian and I, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. And we, we get all this list of things and sometimes we just get so overburdened with all the baggage we put on top of what it looks like to be a Christian and really, if we can really simplify it. We're sent in the world to tell people about Jesus, every one of us, to not be ashamed about him, to not back off in our conversations with others, but to just simply tell people about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That's one reason why every year we have Outreach Sunday where we celebrate and we learn about those who we're partnering with, who we've sent out from this place, and, and, and they're doing a great thing because they're burdened for the lost. But that doesn't make them super Christians. They're just obedient, and they're simply doing what we're called to do, and that's what we're all supposed to be doing. There's so many stories that we can look back on over this past year. People who've gone out from this church to, to, to serve and, and to share Christ. Tanya Loving and Christy Klein, they, they went to Uganda uh, here very recently uh, through Project Hope and got to just do a, have an amazing time working with the kids and, the, and families down there in that ministry. Sierra Busking, she's one of our uh, high school girls. She just graduated in May. And then very quickly after that, in the summertime, uh, took off with uh, Youth with a Mission to New Zealand. And she's still there. She's still serving. She's got about another month to go, I think. And just, just telling people about Jesus. That's what these kids are doing. There's a bunch of high school kids sharing Christ. John O'Ori, another one of our uh, graduates just graduated in May. Took off to El Paso to go work with Costa for Cristo, and uh, he's been a resident down there on their video tech crew, and just helping create videos, and uh, he's the guy in the middle there, and uh, just doing a great job, and he's about to wrap it up and come back, but just took off right after high school, didn't go to college, and said, hey, I'm going to serve Jesus down in El Paso and, and Juarez, and, and uh, it's been awesome. Marsha Kidwell just got back here recently from, from India, uh, working with Mid India Ministry, we've been a part of her for a long, long time. They have just celebrated their 50th anniversary as, as a ministry in India, doing an incredible work there. And uh, she got to go down and serve and work uh, with them and work with another church's uh, short term team and, and help them out as well. Movement Church up in, uh, in, in uh, New Hampshire where several of our uh, team from here has gone and, and they're serving. And uh, here's a picture of one of their b- baptisms at the beach events where they're just baptizing people. And, and uh, several of us have had an opportunity to go up and visit with them. Just last month, several of us were up there, and they are doing a great work in an uh, in a, in a area where less than 3% of the people are believers. Okay? Is that a place that needs the gospel? Yes. And they're just like what Terry was talking about earlier. There are people that are, are really hungry for it. They're open to it. And uh, Josh and Mark and, and uh, others who are up there are doing a fantastic work as they serve up there. Pioneers for Christ is another one of our partners over in the Philippines. Again, that we've been uh, partners with for a long time. This past year, uh, working in a, in a prison there, they baptized 17 inmates uh, at this prison as they got to go in and, and share the gospel uh, at that place we have uh, a couple a uh, family now <laughs> in uh, in the middle east we don't share their names because of where they are and uh, and and the just to protect them, but uh, they continue to take the, the gospel into a specific people group, and one man that they have been working with uh, has been reading uh, God's Word, has been reading the Bible, came to them with a question about, um, so are believers to be baptized? And they simply said, well, read the Bible and see what you think, and he basically came back and said, hmm. Yeah, it sure seems that way, just from simply reading the Bible. And he's, he's receiving this, and he's growing his faith, and this is huge. This is a huge thing for one of the men in that area to come to faith like this. And, uh, and so we're super excited to, to hear about what God's doing in them. There's Jason and Kelsey uh, Coleman. Uh, Kelsey was Kelsey Sailor when she was here. And uh, they are now over in, in China serving. And, uh, again, just doing a great work with the students over there. And uh, uh, just cool stories coming out. Here's one lady. I just have a story here of a, of a lady who... who Uh, they've been working with, and as she was, this lady, separate from them, had another lady come up to her and just offer a Bible, and she's like, it's one of these coincidence type things, like, and so she came to them like, wow, God is working, and now she's given her life to Christ, and now her mom, who was totally against her coming to Christ and and following uh, Jesus, is now starting to wonder, and starting to believe. And so, just another cool story there. Rod Pennington, over with OMF, Overseas Missionary Fellowship, uh, who we partner with a lot. Their goal was to, um, to, to be sending 50 new missionaries this year. And they hit their goal of sending up 50 new missionaries into the field uh, overseas. Uh, Nathan Nicole Zlomke. They're serving in Thailand right now, two of our, our students from here, and uh, just doing a fantastic job. Uh, they've, they've really started a new outreach effort uh, uh, because of some of the interns they had come in, and, and now the interns have left, and this outreach effort's still going, and they've got stories of these, uh, well, there's one story specifically of a, a lady who was in a supermarket that they've been working with and trying to reach, and uh, she has now started to follow and given her life to Christ, and another huge win And as she's now beginning to go and share the gospel herself. And so another great story there. Um, Matt Wilmoth, another one from, from here, he's serving up at Penn State as a campus minister, international campus minister, and he works with foreign students from Ghana, South Korea, Puerto Rico, Peru, Colombia, India, and China. I mean, they're coming to him. <laughs> I love this. And uh, so Matt's like right where he needs to be and, and be able to, to minister to them. He's been able to work with a, with a baseball team there, an international baseball team, and been able to, to be kind of their chaplain. And he's just getting to share Jesus with every, all these students, all these baseball players, and just doing a great work. Those are just some of the stories. And what I love is so many of these—they they've raised up out of this church, and we've sent them out. Others we've just been able to be able to come alongside of and partner with, and, and great things are happening because of these who were burdened for the lost and said, "God, we'll go wherever you send us." And it's a privilege to get to partner with them and see what God continues to do through them. Every one of us have been sent. We've got opportunities coming up this next year, and this is kind of a little, another little advertisement uh, of opportunities for you. Obviously, every one of us, uh, as I said earlier, we have that opportunity every day right where we're at in our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. But we also want to offer opportunities and have opportunities where you can go. Just like what Terry was talking about earlier, you can go and serve in Honduras with them and go help with the, uh, the women's event down there. That would be awesome. We have local events here that you can come alongside of. Uh, we'll be doing a, a work day at Cooks and Hills Children's Home just down the road, about a, about a little over an hour away. With These kids that just need to be loved on and helped, and, and we're going to go and, and go share with them. We're going to help build another house right here on our property that's going to go bless a family, and that'll be, that'll be happening in early May. We're going to do a new trip this year to, uh, to New Orleans in late May and early June uh, with Crossroads Ministries. We've partnered with Crossroads a number of times, but now we're, we're going to be going down to New Orleans in, in uh, again, er, uh, late May, early June. And then we're doing another trip with them, and uh, we're going to Kentucky because we figured out Kentucky's got some messed up people. <laughs> Chad's not here. I love you, Chad. Anyway, no, uh, every state does. Anyway, um, <laughs> but we're going to the Appalachians in in, uh, in Kentucky because the, we would be shocked at the poverty level that's there. And Crossroads has come into these communities and they're being able to take the gospel, do VBSs with the kids and just uh, help build and, and fix and, and do things in, in those communities just to bring Jesus into those places and bring some light into the darkness there. And so that's going to be happening in fall break. That's going to be all the way back, all the way in, in October uh, of next year. We've got foreign opportunities uh, as we've got a trip that's going to be going to Uganda through Project Hope in in June. Again, another great opportunity. We've got our, our missions team, our sin team is sending out small teams. Some of our leaders are going to be going to some of our missionaries and just going to encourage them, going to check in on them, uh, pray with them. And, and it's just kind of an opportunity for us to go and uh, hear the stories, see firsthand what God's doing in these places. And if that's something that interests you, you're like, man, I'd, I'd love to go on one of these trips, uh, talk to us. As you go out here and you see the opportunities and you see something that interests you, you feel like, man, God's calling me to do this, go. (laughs) We'll help make it happen. And we want to send you out wherever you feel like God is leading you. Our students are going on two trips over spring break. We're sending two groups out over spring break, one to Nicaragua, one down to Acuna, Mexico, and uh, to go and work with Casa Cristo. And so we're excited to see uh, what God's going to do there. It's a first time trip to Nicaragua, and, uh, and so we're excited to see that and it's great opportunities, and I hope that you'll be prayerfully considering what God might be leading you to do, but the question is this, are you burdened for the lost? This past week of Thanksgiving, my family had the opportunity to go and serve down at John 3.16 and just serve meals at the the homeless shelter there, John 3.16. As we watched these men, mostly men, few women coming through, I just couldn't help to think as I'm, I was, the baked, I was the mashed potato guy. They gave me a simple job. But as I sat there and scooped my mashed potatoes, I looked in the face of each one of these people coming through and, and my thought was, what's his story? What's his story? What's his story? Because they all have stories. When you see that, when you go through that, it, it begins to break your heart. And I would say this. If you're sitting here today and you think, yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not really burdened for them. Can I encourage you to immerse yourself? Put yourself in places where lost people are. And just watch. And pray for them. Because your heart might just start to change. We're called to be burdened for the lost. And it's really simple. As followers of Christ, we are sent into the world to share the good news of Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. Don't overcomplicate it. And as you go on in that text, Matthew 9, that I started with, and Jesus says that He's. compassion to all these people says then his then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few the laborers are few let's all raise our hand to be a laborer to be burdened for the lost let's all go let me pray father in heaven." God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place and through this place. And we thank you for all those that we are able to partner with around this world, around this globe. And, God, we just pray that you'll continue to bless their ministries and do great things through them. And, and God, we just pray that you'll continue to do great things through this church. God, give us a heart that is burdened for the lost. God, the lost who are right here, right here among us in our homes and workplaces and and, uh, everywhere else we find ourselves. God, give us a burden for the lost. God, we just thank you for the love, the hope that we have in you. God, help us to help others find that same hope and salvation. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.